I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. That's the sound of what the aviation industry calls eVTOL, electric vertical takeoff and landing, an air taxi. I'll be honest, the machine made by a company called Whisk is so quiet, we really had to boost the sound. And for a company like Whisk, you wanted to be able to see, wow, there actually really is something. Oh my gosh, it can fly. Oh my God, it can transition from vertical to forward flight, you know, effortlessly. And that this week on Sand Hill Road, we speak with Brian Shetler of AEI Horizon X, a venture capital spinoff of Boeing Aircraft about investing in aerospace. Excellent. I want to start with air taxis. You know, air taxis were something that were promised for years. And, you know, the Jetsons showed us how cool they would be. And I think a lot of people just thought air taxis turned out to be vaporware. But actually, air taxis are flying all the time. It's going to be a real thing. So the technology is there. Um, and now just being patient as we go through the next steps that aviation does really well, which is ensure something safe has the right redundancy and can interface in the national airspace with dr other small drones, big commercial airliners and, you know, everything in between. I think the national airspace is going to be one of the problems, right? I mean, the technology of figuring out how to get something into the air, we've been doing that a long time since the Wright brothers. But the idea that everyone have their own air taxi in the backyard, that's more complicated. That's, yeah, it's, it's a much bigger leap to just think of a free-for-all of a lot of flying uh, vehicles just crisscrossing each other. Right now, the airspace acts in a very sort of regulated and, and regimented manner with highway corridors and the like that try to funnel traffic in consistent areas. And so the thought of it just being, you know, pandemonium out there. Yeah, out here in California, we're still trying to get people to understand roundabouts. Yeah, that's step one on the ground. Yeah. And then let's let's uh, get 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 the airspace uh, figured out as well. I mean, you know, a day in the life of an air traffic controller is is uh, hard enough as it is today with the tools that they have. I mean, they, they have to be on the fly, be able to, to work in unpredictable sort of conditions, a weather storm might come through and like throw their entire, you know, corridor out the window. And then how do you, how do you adapt? 
that that you know gets exponentially more complicated when you add you know hobbyist drones, EV tolls, and and other forms of uh, you know flying flying aircraft in, into their space, which is why you know we're excited on the technology side of how you know, technology can augment you know air air traffic management and bring you know that relentless focus on safety in aviation. You know at, as as the sort of you know number of vehicles expands and it's all about you know assisting with more data, doing more of the kind of uh, automated tasks sort of, you know, behind the scenes, taking workload, non-critical workload off of air traffic controllers, but, but also just having more awareness of what's going on, more rapid identification of vehicles that might be off course or might not be doing what they're told because you need to be able to account for that. I'm genuinely surprised though, at the turn towards batteries. I mean, for instance, air taxis and e-vehicles that use electric power, it's quiet, but batteries are heavy and traditional carbon-based fuel you know, you get a lot of bang for the buck. I can go a lot farther on jet fuel. A hundred percent. I mean, the great thing about jet fuel, right, is it gets lighter for every mile you burn uh, in the air. And so you land uh, a lot lighter than you took off. And, and oh, that's a good point. The battery weighs the same when you land. Exactly. A dead battery weighs as much as a full battery. And so, uh, you know, you got to account for all of that in, in the relative inefficiency that that technology brings. Now that said, there are, there are the use cases which I think eVTOL is smart for. You know, shorter range where you can build enough kind of redundancy of of a battery density into the platform that it doesn't start to break the laws of physics where you you know you're heavier than than the the, the thrust you have to take off. Um, but that said, it's really really hard to scale to anything medium range and and longer without gross sort of uh, uh, step function changes in battery chemistries and energy densities. So what I, what I really like about the strategy today with batteries is what they're really more proving out is, you know, the whole system of electric propulsion, right? You know, it's not just the battery. It's how it interfaces with the motor. It's how you account for the failure modes of one electric motor dies and how the other one's going to pick up the slack. What if a battery cell, you know, has a thermal runway event and how does that cell shut down and keep energy going? So there's a lot of technology innovation happening in the small short range case that's going to get the whole electric propulsion stack certified and sort of proven out. And then I do believe with time, I know it's sort of that running joke, you know, we're always just like one or two years away from the next great thing in battery chemistry. But I do believe, you know, down the road, we are going to see new forms of uh, of chemistry bringing you know, double, triple, quadruple sort of amounts of energy density. And that starts opening up longer range. I don't know in my lifetime we're ever going to see a battery like take me from, you know, the U.S. to Australia on a nonstop flight. But I do think um, there's a lot of use cases that the majority of flights today, you know, most are, I, I think the latest stats, like 75% of 737 flights are shorter than 500 miles. I mean, so when you start thinking about, you know, how the, the short jumps that these aircraft are doing, uh, you, you know, you can actually start augmenting a big piece of the daily flights. You spun your firm out of Boeing, and Boeing is your largest LP still, right? Correct, yeah. Okay, a bit, the value that I see is not only Boeing obviously getting some early looks at new technology, but these young startups are getting access to Boeing 
And there's no bigger name in the world than Boeing as far as aviation. Boeing is famous for aircraft. Yeah. And and what we tried to do was evolve the traditional corporate venture capital model into something that we thought could could bring even more value and start to dwindle some of the the complexities that 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 manifest itself when you when you have a traditional corporate venture capital unit. You know, a, a traditional corporate venture can, you know, raise, you know, concerns that, hey, the the corporate may not always be acting in, you know, the startup's best interest, or they they might be doing something anti-competitive. Um, what we tried to do in this new model is really bring the best of both worlds: an independent uh, investment platform that's focused on financial returns, like like a, a traditional VC would, but stitch around us this unique capability that really nobody else in venture has access to, and be that hub and spoke sort of model that has a key player like Boeing that delivers all of that unique value add that we had when we were inside of Boeing and also can act as a key market channel for adoption and accelerating the technology into real world use cases. But it doesn't have to stop with Boeing. AE Industrial as a, as a legacy A&D focused private equity firm has its own unique capability and real operational experience in these end markets to, to, to actually kind of apply that capability to really help these companies grow as, as sort of, uh, you know, independent entities and bring them, uh, you know, the right operational experience, bring them the right sort of diversified market uh, exposure as opposed to just, you know, one channel uh, and market channel. And so it's really working well for us as it, as it comes to identifying, sourcing and investing in startups, but also once we write that check, bringing an immense set of unique value to them. We continue our discussion with Brian Shetler of AEI Horizon X, a venture capital spinoff of Boeing Aircraft, after this. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Boeing is is famous for aircraft. It's been a long time involved in space travel as well. Although I will point out, Boeing has really struggled lately against the likes of uh, things like SpaceX. Where do you see the traditional rocket makers and spacecraft makers competing? And is SpaceX just running away with us? You know, there was I, I use SpaceX as one of my my best case studies for why startups are are sort of awesome and, and never count a startup out in a big OEM dominated world. I I had been at 
you know, big companies that had dealt in the, the, the rocket sort of supply chain, just being so dismissive of Elon and SpaceX when they were, you know, just, just starting. Um, and then, you know, look at them now. I think you ha- that's, that's a motivator and catalyst for other entrepreneurs to start solving other tough problems in space. And you see a whole lot of opportunity, right? It, it's amazing how far we've come in the last couple of decades from really only two countries in the world having the capability to access space to now, you know, it, basically any university can get a satellite on a ride share and, or, you know, any country can get uh, involved. India just did something amazing a few uh, weeks ago of actually landing on the South Pole, the moon. Tremendous accomplishment that that hadn't happened in in a long, long time. And so I see another wave of sort of space activity coming that's going to really um, be energized by the entrepreneurial market. Um, I I think a lot about where we've come in terms of, you know, sensing in space. Then it was a wave of connectivity in space. Everyone wanted to build some sort of low Earth orbit constellation. Then there's now sort of the, the, the lunar exploration and deep space explore, exploration. And now I think there's going to be like a new economy of how you deal with all of these assets that are in space. Do you refuel them? Do you maneuver them? Do you deorbit them? And a whole lot of, of startups that can address that. To get to your question, though, how, how this all works out, I think the best examples for startups going forward I don't think every one of them can be a SpaceX that gets billions and billions of dollars of, of capital from investors and, and gets to compete, you know, as a prime in the big leagues. And so I think how they choose to partner, how they work w- with the likes of investors like us and others that have, you know, the ability to work with the established supply base a little bit to get them access to launch, to get them you know, a key capability so they don't have to reinvent every element of the wheel themselves. I think that's going to jumpstart them uh, the furthest. And and that's what big companies like Boeing, like Lockheed, like others, that's how they need to be thinking about the world, that they can't do it all alone. They don't have big enough R&D budgets to solve all the world's problems as it relates to space. And they need to tap into the entrepreneurial ecosystem instead of resist it. I think the other thing about aviation is sometimes government's involved, right? I mean, in the case of SpaceX, it's getting government contracts, as is Boeing for that matter. But the, the Air Force has something called Agility Prime as well. The military is going to buy or willing to buy into some of these entrepreneurs and put in military money. Absolutely. The, the, the progress that the Department of Defense has made in the last few years of being able to help use its needs to stimulate and help resource some of the startups to get them over the valley of death or get them some near-term traction while the sort of commercial economics continue to play out, that's, that's going to be transformational for more and more startups to be successful. And so I applaud, you know, what they're doing with like Agility Prime, you know, you have the Office of Strategic Capital in the, in the Pentagon, you have, you know, the individual uh, armed forces, force structures having their own sort of you know, X uh, entity, Naval X or the like to try to stimulate startups. DIU is another one in Silicon Valley that's been doing a lot. Um, and it, it's, it's a model that wasn't fully embraced by startups a long time ago. You sort of were either going to be a defense company or not. And there was a strong lean to maybe we don't want to dabble in defense. And now 
you know, there's a, a way for them to be dual use in a sense that defense might give them some of their original use cases and dollars. And then they can prove out the commercial viability of this over time without having to get a lot of dilutive funding from investors. Um, and so it's great for investors. It's great for the startups. The more the, the DOD, I think, contributes to this. Were you always interested in airplanes? Did you like airplanes as a little kid? As a kid, yeah. I, I think I told my parents my first job when I grew up was going to be a pilot. Um, I started flying hot air balloons, which is a random hobby uh, when I was a kid as well. My my uh, my dad and some of his friends were in that just for fun. Uh, and then my first job in college was working for Northrop Grumman in, in kind of the defense sector. And I've been at A&D now for over you know, 25 years. So it's, it's just been a, a key piece of me. Why? What is aviation? How does that stir your blood? It, it, it just, it, it's one of those things that's always amazing to look at. You know, it, I, I, I love the, the engineering and kind of technical side of it. And so I, I started, you know, in my, my uh, career, you know, being hands-on in an engineering discipline. But, but the more I continue in this role and just flying on so many airplanes in, in my job, it's, what I love about it is just sort of, you know, looking at the other people on the airplane, thinking about what we're doing, thinking about connecting the world, connecting people that maybe had never seen each other face to face, giving people experiences. I, I was on this flight uh, this morning to D.C. actually, where there were 66 uh, former U.S. veterans uh, from World War II Korea, Vietnam, Afghanistan, and Iraq, all packed on this plane, all going to DC to see all of the monuments. And it's like, God, one of those moments, I just, just take it all in. I'm like, this is exactly what we do and why aviation is so cool. Ryan Shetler, partner and head of AEI Horizon X, venture born at Boeing. Boeing's biggest competitor, of course, is Airbus. In our archives, an interview with the head of the venture spinoff of Airbus. We do carry a, a, the brand Airbus, and we're very proud of that. But in, in general, I think we like to see ourselves as modeled uh, after the, the pure VC firm. Look for that in the past episodes section on your podcast player. Sandhill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com. 